With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for people. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in segment number two. We are going to be inviting on one of our good friends, Peter Apple, over at Just Baseball. He does a podcast called Just Baseball, and I believe that he also does the podcast Not Gambling Advice, and you're able to get those podcasts wherever you get this one. We're going to be talking about, well, some good quality baseball with him as we're going to be looking at what has made the Cleveland Guardians such a profitable team recently. We're also going to be diving into the National League East race, evaluating these teams moving forward, and take a look at some games for Sunday in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, that is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but this is a podcast that's brought to you by DraftKings and Prop 27, which Prop 27 is doing everything possible to get Californians to be able to bet legally online, much like over half the country is able to. It's not fair that folks out there in Boston, New York, you're able to go down the list, are able to, and California, currently stuck with the shady bookies, currently stuck out there in the cold, and Prop 27 helps out with that. And something I'm helping out with is taking a look at everything that we got in baseball on Saturday, trying to find some trends in, trying to get to know these teams just a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Cleveland Guardians have gone streaking. They are now 9-1 their last 10 games. DK Nation pick up the Guardians' money line hits, and the Guardians hit for a 4-2 victory. Oscar Gonzalez, 
a big part of this W as he goes deep twice. 10th and 11th home runs of the season. He goes deep off of the starter, Glenn Otto, who he had a good start. Gives up that solo home run in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Brock Burke gives up a home run, two runs in total over the course of two and a third innings as he gave one up to Andres Jimenez, 17th home run season. And then the other home run surrendered, that was by Matt Moore giving up a solo home run in an inning to Gonzalez for the Texas Rangers. Both runs come off of solo home runs. Sam off third home run season off the closer, Emmanuel Classe. And then Cal Quantrill gives one up to Marcus Simeon, 24th home run season. For Quantrill, that solo home run is all that he would give up in six innings as the Guardians now 14-1 in his last 15 starts with the lone loss coming when he had that four and a half hour rain delay game against the Mariners so he could only pitch three innings. Sam Entages, Trevor Steven, both on the scoreless inning and then Emmanuel Classe gives up the other solo home run over the course of his inning of work to be able to get the save. The Cubs get shut up by the Pittsburgh Pirates. 6-0 to the final as Wade Miley he was up to have a party in Pittsburgh and said he takes a loss, giving up three runs in four innings, only one of which was earned. He was hurt by his own throwing error. That should be credited to him. That's a discussion for another day. Rowan Wick, a scoreless setting, and then Adbert Elzele gives up three runs in three innings, including a home run to Jack Swazinski, 18th home run season for Johan Oviedo, seven scoreless innings, seven punch outs along the way, and then Zach Thompson, two scoreless innings as Cubs just could not get anything generated in this one. The Tigers got quite a bit generated, though. They take down the Chicago White Sox, the other Chicago team, by count of 72. So, bad day for Chicago sports teams as Harold Castro, seventh home run season off of starter Davis Martin, and then Jake Diekman, a loss home run to Javi Baez, his team best 15th home run season for Diekman. He gives up four runs and didn't get a single out. For Davis Martin, it's not like he gave the world's greatest start, but gave up three runs in six innings, so certainly better than that. Vinny Vila, Vince Velasquez, two scoreless innings, and Jose Ruiz, a scoreless inning as for the White Sox. Both of their home runs come off of solo home runs off of Drew Hutchinson. Eloy Jimenez, 15th home run season. Gavin Sheets, also his 15th as Hutchinson, gives up those two solo home runs in five innings. Alice Lang, a scoreless inning. Will Vest, a scoreless inning. And then Garrett Hill, two scoreless innings out of him. Rather high-scoring day in baseball on Saturday. And the Twins got things started with a 8-4 win over the LA Angels. For the Angels, Reed Detmers gives up five runs, four of which were earned. And then the bullpen, they didn't help him out too much. Mike Myers, no, not the guy from I Married an Axe Murderer. Well, he murdered bankrolls, giving up three runs, two of which were earned in two and a third innings, allowing home run to Gary Sanchez along the way. 15th home run season, he did get a scoreless inning out of Zach Weiss and got a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Rob Zernarski. This has two Z's in it. It's got like a whole bunch of consonants and no vowels, so I apologize to Mr. Zarnowski. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. If I mispronounce it, and I'm sure that I did, so I'll just apologize and just move on and not try to butcher that anymore. As for the Minnesota Twins, Joe Ryan, not long for this game. He gives up three runs of four innings, and neither of these teams really cranked out the deep ball too much, but the Twins, they go three of eight with men in scoring position. The Angels, they go three of seven with men in scoring position, as there were four errors in this game. Griffin Jacks, Caleb Theobar, Michael Fulmer, Orde Lopez, all give a scoreless inning, and then Yohan Duran. He gives up a run and an inning to get the Twins to the window. The Diamondbacks get to the window. They take down the San Francisco Giants by a count of 5-2 to two for Alex Cobb. Turned into corn on the cob, and he got munched up, giving up five runs in five innings. Thomas Zabucky, two scoreless innings. Jarrell Cotton, a scoreless inning as well. But for the San Francisco Giants, Mike Yastrzemski was pretty much the bright spot for this team. 15th home run season. That comes off of Merrill Kelly, who gave another great start. He's up to 13-7 and seven this season. Two runs surrendered in seven innings, including that home run. Joe Mantiply and Reyes Maranta. From there, both won a scoreless inning. The uh, Seattle Mariners, 
They get the job done against the Kansas City Royals by a count of 6-5 in a rather hairy game as Laurel Gang Gilbert. I was thinking that there was going to be a little bit of regression with him, and it happened in this game, giving up five runs in five innings, including a home run to Vinny Pescontino, his ninth home run season, but unlike Chris with the game, Bubich gave a much better start. Four two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, three runs along the way. Amir Garrett gets it out of the bullpen, and Carlos Hernandez, scoreless inning, Anthony Machevich, four outs out of the bullpen, scoreless, but Colin Snyder, he did not get an out of the bullpen, and he gave up two runs, including a home run to Cal Raleigh, 25th home run of the season. And then Brad Keller gives up a run in one and a third innings before Jose Cuas cleans things up in the ninth inning and gets it out of the bullpen. But for Seattle, they get this one done thanks to their bullpen. Paul Sewell, two scoreless innings. Andres Munoz, Matt Brash, both lend a scoreless inning for the Mariners to be able to maintain in the American League wildcard hunt, and the Blue Jays are maintaining in that hunt as well. They take down the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 3-1 to one as Alec Manoa. Manoa what? Terrific start. Eight punch-outs and seven scoreless innings. Tim Aza from there does give up a run while getting two outs out of the bullpen before Jordan Romano is able to give a four-out save for the Toronto Blue Jays with Merrifield. Home run number 10 of the season. That comes off of Brooks Rayleigh after Drew Aspenson took the loss, but double luck loser. He gives up one run in six and a third innings. That's a good start. Rayleigh from there gives up two runs in a third of an inning, including that home run. You had one and a third inning scoreless out of Kelvin Fotcher, and Christopher Ogundo was able to lend a scoreless inning as well. You wound up having a lot of scoreless innings from Sandy Alcantara as the Miami Marlins. They score more than three runs in this game. Four to one the final. They have scored three runs or fewer in 33 out of their last 41 games, but they produce for Alcantara, including Brian De La Cruz. He has got his 11th home run season, most for any Marlins player currently not on the injured list. He goes deep off of Eric Fetty Wap, and, well, 17-38. He gave up four runs in five and two-thirds settings, including that home run. Jordan Weems four outside the bullpen scoreless from there, and Steve Ciszek a scoreless setting in. The lone run that... Mr. Alcantara would give up was to Joey Manessis in the first inning. 11th home run season, solo shot. Alcantara gives up that solo home run. 11 punch outs in 8 innings and then Dylan Floro cleans things up in the ninth inning. He goes scoreless from there. If you took the Mets laying minus 375, that might not have been great. If you took north of $3 with the Oakland A's, terrific. 10-4. to 4. The Oakland A's get it done against the New York Mets as Jacob DeGrom allowed 4 runs in the first inning. Gives up 5 in total over the course of four innings as he was also taken deep in this one. Going deep for the Oakland A's, Seth Brown, home run number 24 of the season. And then you have a young guy in Connor Capel. He gets a second home run season. That comes off of Trevor Williams. Williams gives up a run in an inning. You have Yoli Rodriguez give up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Trevor McGill gets it out of the bullpen before Adam Onofino gives up a run in an inning. And Trevor May gives up two runs over the course of an inning. For the Mets, they got a pair of home runs of their own. Pete Alonso gets home run number 38 of the season. First career home run for Mark Ventos. Ventos goes deep off of Ken Waldachuk as Waldachuk gives up both bombs. He gives up four runs in total in five innings, but gets the W. Also brought two scoreless innings, and then A.J. Puck and Tyler Sear both line a scoreless inning. So, Oakland A's, a big giant eruption, and now Jacob DeGrom has given up three-plus runs each out of his last three starts to the A's, the Cubs, and the Pirates. Not what you want to see. You want to see Aaron Judge get home run number 61. Did not happen in this one, but the Yankees got the win. 7-5 the final as Nick Pavetta gives up five runs in five innings, including two home runs. Going deep for the New York Yankees, Glaber Torres, 24th home run season, and as Waldo Cabrera, his fourth. A little bit later on, you'd have Anthony Rizzo 
Goody for home run number 32 of the season off of John Schreiber. Schreiber gives up two runs in an inning. Ryan Brazier and Edward Bazzardo both land a scoreless setting in for the Boston Red Sox. They go 3 of 16 with men in scoring position. Tristan Cussis gets home run number 4 of the campaign off of Domingo Herman. And Herman gives one up to Reese McGuire. His third of the campaign as Herman gives up three runs in five innings, including those two home runs. Zach Britton did not look good coming off the injured list. He gave up three walks and gave up one run while getting just one out. Lou Trevino from there gives up a run in an inning, but Lucas Lukey, pair of outside the bullpen, scoreless, and Clark Schmidt and Scott Efres both lend a scoreless saying to get that one to the window. The Brewers get to the window. They take down the Cincinnati Reds by kind of 10 to do, and they gain a game on the Phillies. We'll get to the Phillies in a second, but Corbin Burns looked like the guy that we all know and love. Eight punch-outs and two runs surrendered in six and a third innings. Trevor Gott, pair of outs out of the bullpen before Taylor, Rodgers, and Brent Suter both lined a scoreless setting in for the Brewers. All about Hunter Renfro in this one. Pair of bombs as he gets home runs number 26 and 27 of the campaign. And Roddy Tellez goes deep for his 33rd home run season. Tellez goes deep off of Alejo Lopez. He position player gave up a run and an inning, but for Graham Ashcraft, looked like a load of Ashcraft giving up four runs and four innings, including one of those home runs, and Connor Overton. He had been a very good starter in his very small sample size a little bit earlier. Fresh off the injured list, gives up five runs and three innings. That was not great. And then Joel Kuno gets a scoreless setting out of the bullpen. The Phillies lose the Atlanta Braves by a count of 6-3 as for Atlanta. Kyle Wright has been Mr. Wright all season long and gets win number 20 of the season. Gives up two runs of five and a third innings, including home run to Bryce Harper. 18th of the season for Harper. From there, Colin McHugh, Rossi Iglesias both go for a pair of outs. Iglesias gives up an unearned run along the way. Kenley Jansen scoreless saying to be able to get his 37th save of the season. Doesn't feel like he's got 37 saves. A.G. Minter, four outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless saying for the Atlanta Braves. Pair of home runs. William Contreras, 20th home run season. Michael Harris, the second, 19th. Those both come off of Bailey Falter and he lived up to his name. He faltered. He gave up 10 hits. Six runs, including those two bombs and three and two-thirds innings. The bullpen from there was actually really good. Zach Eflin, David Robertson, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Connor Brogdon. Not Eflin awful year. They all give a scoreless ending and Andrew Bellotti for outside the bullpen scoreless. Problem was, Bailey Falter, not a great start in this one. This was not great for the Baltimore Orioles. They lose the Houston Astros by a count of 11-10 as Frommer Valdez and his consecutive start streak of going at least six innings that ends at 25 as he allows seven runs and five and a third innings, including four of which were earned and two home runs. Going deep off of him for the Baltimore Orioles, that would be Cedric Mullins' 15th home run season and Anthony Santander gets his 28th home run season. Then Santander gets home run number 29 of the season off of Rafael Montero. Montero gives up two runs over the course of his ending of work. Ryan Presley would allow a home run along the way as well, but was able to do enough to be able to get the job done as Rudin Odor gets a home run in the ninth inning, his 13th of the campaign. But for Houston, they had Jose Altuve on their team. 26th home run season, he goes deep off of Mike Bauman, who gives up two runs and four innings from there. An Orioles bullpen that has been good all season. They falter. Dylan Tate, he gives up one run in one and a third innings. Joey Crebiel, he gives up four runs in a third of an inning. C.N.L. Perez, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Brian Baker, a scoreless inning. Jake Reed has to get the final out of the ninth inning because Felix Batista allowed four runs in one and a third innings. And for the Houston Astros, Phil Meaton gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Hunter Brown, a scoreless inning as well. So that was tough for a Baltimore Orioles team that really needed that win to stay alive in the wildcard chase. And for the Astros, that is a win number 100 for them this season. A team that is already above 100 wins, that'd be the LA Dodgers. 
They take down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 6-2 as for the LA Dodgers. Very good start in this one from Clayton Kershaw. As Kershaw, he goes six innings. He allows two runs, getting seven strikeouts along the way. Meanwhile, his counterpart, Jordan Montgomery, gave up three home runs. Kershaw gave up one of his own to Nolan Arenado, 30th home run season, but for Montgomery, he got smoked, giving up six runs in four innings, including those home runs to Trey Thompson, 12th of the season. Will Smith getting jiggy with it, 23rd home run season. And home run number one for Miguel Vargas. And for the Dodgers, good bullpen pitching. Tommy Canely, Evan Phillips, Chris Martin, all Lenny Squirrel setting. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, they did get some bullpen pitching out of Chris Trayton, a squirrel setting. He struck out the side. And Dakota Hudson, three squirrel settings as well. And then you had the San Diego Padres go on the road. They take down the Colorado Rockies by a count of 9-3 as you Darvish continuing to pitch well on the road. Two runs surrendered in six innings. He did give up a home run as it was Ryan McMahon getting home run number 18 of the season. That was a leadoff home run. And Randall Gritchick a little bit later goes deep off of Tim Hill. His 17th of the season for Hill. He gives up a solo home run in an inning. Luis Garcia, Craig Salmon. They both land a scoreless setting in for the Padres. No home runs, but they go 5 of 11 with Ben in scoring position at Shad Cool. Sal giving up at least three runs in 11 out of his last 12 starts, giving up three in five and two thirds innings. But this loss more than that was on the bullpen as you had two runs in one and two thirds innings, allowed by Chad Smith and Justin Lawrence. He got two outs and he gave up four runs, all of which were earned before Alex Colome came in, cleaned things up with a scoreless inning. But if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now, we did see some overs on Saturday, but you still, over the last 60 days, have been having quite a few unders. As a matter of fact, 52.7% of games over the last 60 days have gone under 398 unders to 357 overs in this time span. Favorites overall hitting nearly 62%, 493 and 304. And home favorites in this time span, 298 and 174. So that's a little bit over a 63% hit rate on those home favorites. But among those home favorites, you have had 83 fail to cover the run line. And that's really been a theme of what we've been seeing all season long. As for the season favorites, they're hitting at about 60.5%, 1,359 and 889. And home favorites are 848 and 549. But among these 848 home favorites, we have now seen. 260 failed to cover the run line and unders. They're holding steady at right around 51.8% for the season. 1,109 unders to 1,033 overs. So that's what we've got in Major League Baseball on Saturday, and that's what we're seeing trend-wise. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Peter Apple. He does great work over at Just Baseball. We're going to be taking a look at Sunday's slate. We're going to be taking a look at the success of the Guardians and the NL East teams. That's coming up right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Eason Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Vison Family of Podcasts. It is great to be joined by our guest as Peter Apple does great work as the co-founder and co-host over at Just Baseball. I know that he's done a terrific job with regards to his TikTok following and does a great job posting up plays daily over on his Twitter feed at Peter Apple 23. That is a P P E L. And then the number 23 on that last name. And Peter, I know you joined me once before on this podcast, delivered the goods on that one and needed to have you back, my friend. And glad you were able to jump back on. Thank you so much for joining me. Craig, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. I love talking baseball with you. Absolutely. And we were talking a little bit off air because we had a mutual play on Saturday. Both of us are a part of the Cal Quantrill fan club. And it's been really incredible not just to take a look at Quantrill, who entered into yesterday's start 13-1. and In his last 14, the Guardians were with that lone outlier being that just four and a half hour rain delay game, which that just throws everything off. You can't handicap that but just looking at the guardians in general because going into saturday eight and one in their last nine games it felt like it was going to be a race between they the twins and perhaps the chicago white Sox about two to three weeks ago but this team has just ran it hit and they have been one of the most profitable teams at all of baseball over the last we're going to call it five or so weeks no doubt about it the cleveland guardians are that team where it's kind of tough to handicap right because they do a lot of stuff that you can't really quantify you look at their lineup, and they're not the best hitting team in the world. You look at their pitching staff, not the best pitching staff, where you can lock in on one starter and say, okay, this is the guy I'm going to tell. Besides Cal Quantrill, who has been an absolute cash cow, but a guy like Tristan McKenzie, does his stuff profile match up with a lot of models? Not as much. Maybe Shane Bieber, who's lost a little bit of velocity. But overall, the Cleveland Guardians do a lot of things well. They base run. They are good in the field. They have a phenomenal bullpen. They're a well-rounded unit. And I actually interviewed Nick Sandlin, who's a reliever on the Guardians on the Just Baseball show. And I asked him, what is an underrated aspect about the Guardians that nobody is talking about? And he said their ability to run the bases, which is, again, hard to cap. But if you can get that guy from first to third or scoring easily, you know, with an RBI single, maybe a guy on second base or the, just those speed demons running from first to third, those are things that are tough to handicap. And it leaves a lot of betters who are trying to go against them kind of in the dust because this team is a lot better than maybe they look on paper. And I think that this needs to be pointed out as well with the Cleveland Guardians. What they've done a really good job of this season is what they haven't done. They don't strike out. They are number one in the big leagues in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per at-bat and a per-game basis. And that's something that I do think that 
gets lost with a lot of betters because we look at all these teams that they slug out home runs. They're able to provide a whole bunch of extra base hits and things like that. And Cleveland Guardians are not going to bring that to the table. As a matter of fact, I believe that they are still in the bottom three in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. But the fact that they put the ball in play, even though some of those are going to be flyouts, they're going to be ground balls, you can't have a team-committed error unless if you put the ball in play. And that does lead to sometimes some of those runs that they might not show up in an ERA because, well, when you have an error, that becomes an underrun. And I do think that that is something that sometimes gets lost on people as well. I think that's so true, Greg, and such a good point. A lot of teams, uh, it's a three-true outcome, right? not the Guardians. They're a team that is built on putting the ball in play. You have Stephen Kwan at the top of the lineup, who's close to a 300 hitter. You have Med Rosario, Jose Ramirez, even a guy like Oscar Gonzalez really has some power. Josh Naylor, you can go down the lineup and find a lot of good bats. And they also just brought up a new rookie. His name is Will Brennan, and he's kind of one of those guys that's just hit through every levels of the minor leagues, but he doesn't have any specific tools that pop. So he's not one of the more exciting prospects, but he's hitting seventh in the lineup tonight as we record, and he's been doing pretty well in a couple of games since he's been called up. He's another hitter to watch that gives this Guardians lineup a little bit more length at the bottom because Austin Hedges is their catcher, and he has the worst OPS in baseball since 2019, since 2020. I mean, he's he's one of the holes in the lineup per se, but you put Andres Jimenez in there, their, their lineup is looking a little bit better with Will Brennan. He's definitely a guy to watch. Totally agree. Really, aside from the catcher's spot, you have a very competitive Guardians lineup, and they've done a good job of calling up these younger guys like Brendan, who you bring up. Oscar Gonzalez was really an afterthought coming into the season. Stephen Kwan, nobody was talking about it until he had his magnificent start to the season and really has not cooled down too much either. He's not going to win AL Rookie of the Year, but he certainly has been one of the most valuable rookies in the entirety of the league. So wholeheartedly agree with you there as joining me on the podcast. We do have Peter Apple does great work over there at Just Baseball. And when it comes to the American League, we are most likely going to see the Guardians in the postseason unless if there is some sort of an epic collapse. And we're mostly gonna we're most likely gonna be seeing these two teams as well. And this is in my opinion one of the most fascinating matchups for Sunday as the Toronto Blue Jays gonna be squaring off against the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm a little bit surprised to see Shea McClanahan making this start after the way that his last start went. He was experiencing a little bit of just general discomfort, and he's going up against someone in Ross Stripling that was, once again, a little bit of an afterthought coming into the season. Many people thought that he was going to be a spot starter, perhaps a little bit of a long guy, and he's really come through and become one of the better pitchers for the Toronto Blue Jays. Did get lit up in his last start against Philadelphia Phillies, but the offense picked him up for 18 runs in that game, so he picked a good time to have a bad start, but I think that this is an interesting matchup because I don't know if I would necessarily want to be taking too much of a shot on the Toronto Blue Jays, but I just can't back Shane McClanahan until he gives me a good start and proves that the discomfort that he had in his last start, that isn't something to worry about because I just take a look at the way that he looked and I just can't back him in this spot. I agree, and I actually think that the over might be a decent play here. When we look at how the Rays have been performing against righties, which is just in general, um, they're an above-average team in terms of WRC Plus in the last couple of weeks, and they've actually done pretty well against Ross Stripling. But then on the same side, the Toronto Blue Jays have been at least average to above average in WRC Plus over the last couple of weeks against a guy like Shane McClanahan. And you look at two pitchers, you know, you have Ross Stripling, you have Shane McClanahan. You might lean towards an under here, but I actually might be inclined to take the over because, as you said, Shane McClanahan doesn't look fully healthy. I'm assuming that he's going to be more on, on a pitch count as well. 
And I don't think that we'll see the bulks of both bullpens here. So I would lean towards the over. I assume it's going to be a little low. I haven't seen the line yet because, of course, we're recording about a day before. But the over could be a strong play there depending on the line. And I've seen openers of six and a half. And something that I've really targeted this year as well is when you get these six and a half, that's a time to fire it on the over. Because when you've got a total of seven, seven and a half, a four to three score, like we do sometimes find in some of these lower scoring games involving better pitchers on a seven, it's a push on a seven and a half. It's a loss. When you get down to that number of a six and a half, that's where I really need a supreme pitching matchup to take an under like earlier this season when Max Fried and Corbin Burns, while Corbin Burns was at his full forces, was firing on all cylinders. I was willing to take that sort of thing under and Well, when you get the Miami Marlins out there, you can take a look at the under because that offense has just been putrid all season long. But when it gets down to a six and a half, you really need that supreme pitching matchup. And I just don't think we've got that here. And not only do we not have that, these two teams know each other. Like, right, the Rays have this great bullpen top five and basically every single stat you can find. And then the Blue Jays bullpen is at least above average. And you look at the starting pitchers and you think, oh, maybe it could go under. But these teams are so familiar at, the, at this point that I think it's going to be a battle until the end. Remember, these two teams are both fighting for a wild card spot. They can't be losing games. So I think the bats will definitely arrive here. So I think six and a half is a great over bet. Um, I certainly, certainly would not go under. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I would lean on this one. No doubt about it. And when it comes to the American League as well, the Boston Red Sox are most likely not going to be making the postseason unless if we see something amazing from them. But with that said, they are going up against the New York Yankees. And the big headline in this one, whether or not Aaron Judge is going to get home run number 61 or Hey, perhaps home runs number 61 and 62 in this game. But as a result of this Aaron Judge home run chase, I do feel like you're paying a little bit more of a Yankees tax in terms of a lot of these games. And on top of that, if you're taking a look at player props, one prop that I would not be looking at right now is Aaron Judge hit a home run because it's been sub $2 in recent days. And I think that that is something that is very important because a lot of times with player props, whether it be strikeout props, total bases, what have you. There's so many people are inclined to take the over, take the yes on a home run. When it comes to no run, yes run for a setting, that always gets to be intriguing as well. But this is one of these player props where I would say you don't have to bet it, but at the same time, I honestly think over the last few days, you've been able to make some nice money on the no because getting like minus $2 on a player to not hit a home run is absolutely astronomical value. And with the New York Yankees as well, I do think that they should have a little bit of a leg up against Brian Bayo. But if you look at Brian Bayo at the minor league level and just sort of his first few starts got a little bit unlucky at the big league level and has done a great job of keeping the ball in the yard. Oh, absolutely. Brian Bayo was a great prospect here with the Boston Red Sox. And a lot of Red Sox fans were very excited. And I think the hype sort of diminished when he came up and wasn't successful off the jump. But he's a really, really young starter, a lot of raw talent here. And I feel like it's all starting to come together. And especially against a team like the Yankees, we even saw that Bayo in his, in his first outing against the Yankees pitched very well. And the Yankees sometimes have an issue of when you get a hard-throwing right-hander with good breaking balls, sometimes they may struggle a little bit, especially when that pitcher is young and they don't have a ton of data on him. When a pitcher has been there, done that, the Yankees have seen him plenty, that's when the Yankees really jump on this guy. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this total actually go under. Again, to your point, the Yankees, there's a big Yankee tax on this one. Um, And the Red Sox have done fine against Nestor Cortez. They haven't killed him, but they haven't gotten dominated either. I think especially on a Sunday night baseball where everyone will be on the over chasing an Aaron Judge type performance, 
that the under could be a very solid play in this one, as I expect Nestor Cortez, who has pitched better at Yankee Stadium this year, to at least give the Yankees a shot to win this. I think that the total will end around seven runs. I'm I'm interested to see what the total will be at game time. Yeah, but right now I'm seeing an eight and a half and even at an eight, I would consider an under in this spot. Certainly at an eight and a half, I would fire it on it as well. You mentioned it with Nestor Cortez and well, the Red Sox bullpen has been a mess. I think that we can both agree on that front, but Absolutely. I do think that Mr. Brian Bayo is going to be able to do a solid job. And it's always interesting gauging these Sunday night games as well as joining me on the podcast. We do have Peter Apple because I know there are some conspiracy theories with like the Apple TV games, getting some juice balls and perhaps they're out to try to get Aaron judge home run number 61. But when it comes to certainly the NFL, something that I track as well is that a lot of primetime games go under. And when it comes to Sunday night baseball, sometimes you get some high scoring calamities, but I've been noticing in a lot of these Sunday night games as well, they've been a little bit lower scoring. And I do think that when you get the bright lights on you, you're on in prime time that a lot of players, they do get a little bit more nervous. And I did think that that lends itself to being a little bit of an advantage for the pitcher. I'm not sure if you think of it in a different way when it comes to primetime games, but I typically lean a little bit more towards the under. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And there's another system that actually works pretty well off of it. If you are looking at the slate for Monday, a very... Oh, yes. I love this one. Oh, the Sunday night (laughs) baseball system, as I assume you know, and I assume that a lot of betters who know baseball is fading the offense of these two teams off Sunday night baseball. So if the Red Sox are have to do a little bit of travel play on Monday, maybe the Yankees do, it's a good time to fade them. One of my favorite bets of the season, actually, was when I took the Rays and the under against the Yankees after a Sunday night baseball, and the Rays won 4-0 to in a game that Garrett Cole pitched, and everybody called me crazy, but that's what I was on, and it hit very easily, and I was at the game to enjoy it. It's not the best when, of course, I am a Yankee fan, And I was at Yankee Stadium, and I'm sitting there rooting for the Rays and the under. It's not the best thing, but at the end of the day, I'd rather make money than be happy for one game with my team in a 162-game season. So definitely be on the lookout for the Red Sox and the Yankees on Monday as that Sunday night baseball system certainly works. But I will say it hasn't been as profitable, at least in the past two weeks, when I've been playing it, but it could just be an anomaly because over the full season sample, it's been one of the most profitable systems that we have in our game. And this is a system I've utilized as well. And I can tell you right now, teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball playing on Monday, they've went 4-0 the last two weeks, but prior to that, they were 7-18. and So they're still 11-18 and for the year, playing on Sunday Night Baseball and having to play on Monday, whether they are traveling or staying at home. So that is certainly something to look at. I am in lockstep with you, and that is something that I'm going to be taking a look at for a Monday slate that is going to be four games. So that's going to be a little bit sad, but still able to make some money on that front. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Peter Apple. He does a great job over there at Just Baseball. And Peter, when it comes to really the lone division race that we've got right now, because the Guardians, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, they've ran and hid with this AL Central. It would take something incredible for either team to get back into that. But when it comes to the Mets and the Braves race, I just – The more that I look at it, the more that I think that the Braves are going to be able to track down the Mets. As we know, these two have a critical series that's coming up towards the end of the season. And I would say that now would probably not be the time to play any futures in terms of either team. Because if you do think that the Atlanta Braves are going to win the division, they're going to need to win that series against the Mets. And I think that you could just bet it sort of game by game at this point. But when it comes to this Mets and this Braves race for the division, I think that both teams... They certainly want to be able to win the division to avoid that wild card. And 
I do think that when it's all said and done, the Braves right now just look to be in better form, especially with Jacob DeGrom giving the lackluster start that he did on Saturday. Absolutely. And we were talking about this a couple of months ago on the Just Baseball show when we were kind of going over some futures to win the World Series. And I actually got the Braves at around plus 1,400. But then about a week ago, we talked about it again and how all the odds have shortened almost drastically. When we were speaking, the Braves were around plus 850, but nothing had really changed. And I was pleading to my audience, like, now is not the time to bet on these series because the books know that this is sometimes when a lot of the money will come in, when people are more confident, so your value is less and less. So now is not the time, in my opinion, to be putting any futures down. I totally agree with you, Greg. It's a game-by-game basis. And we also, we tracked, uh, again, a couple of weeks ago on the Just Baseball show, we tracked this, this schedule remaining, and the Mets just had one of the easiest schedules besides that series against the Braves. And while the Braves had the series against the Phillies, and they've had a couple other tough ones, not a very tough schedule remaining, but still harder than the Mets, and with them being now a game out with the Braves most likely winning this game against the Phillies and the Mets losing this game against the A's, it's still razor thin, but with the games remaining, it's hard to see the Braves overtake the Mets unless they have a full sweep, and we should see a lot of great pitchers from the Mets side in that series. It's going to be very, very challenging for the Braves to do so. So I still have the Mets winning this division, but again, it's not a, oh yes, now is the time to put the money on the Mets winning the division. It might be time to wait it out, just watch some good baseball and bet on a game-by-game basis because I think the value there is a bit diminished. And I just think that it is very strange as well that as I look at DraftKings, the Mets are plus 250 to win the National League pennant and the Braves are plus 450. Not saying that it should be like completely reversed and the Braves should be plus 250 and the Mets should be plus 450, but certainly should be tighter than that in my opinion. So we're in lockstep on that one as well as joining me. We've got Peter Apple of Just Baseball joining me here on the Baseball Betting Show. And when it comes to the slate for Sunday, we've taken a look at a few marquee games. We've taken a look at the NL East race. Is there anything else that might be standing out to you, whether it be a bet that you might be targeting in the AM or just a game that you want to kick back and see in general with teams rounding into form as the playoffs are about a week and a half away? Well, I'm not sure I want to bet on this game because it's going to be very expensive to do so. And the Chicago White Sox are almost an impossible team to cap because unlike the Guardians, they can't play any defense. And on paper, they look great, but they never actually perform. And that's what has kept them out of the division lead in the NL Central. But winding down as we get to the Cy Young Award race between Justin Verlander, who returned, and Dylan Cease, he's going to face off against the Tigers. Again, most likely a game I'm going to stay away from, but that's just an exciting pitcher that I want to watch. Maybe a game that I'd like to target is this Guardians against the Rangers. Um, The narrative around the Guardians being really bad against lefties is certainly true. But lately, at least, the Guardians have looked a little bit better against lefties. Cole Reagans is a guy who's a very young pitcher for the Rangers. He doesn't have that command yet. He doesn't have wipeout stuff either. And I think the Guardians, considering that in the last two weeks, they're actually fifth in baseball in WRC+. Plus that the Guardians can win this game handily. While Aaron Savali has not been good over the full season, I do think the Guardians have pretty much every single advantage here, whether it comes from the bullpen, the starting pitcher, as well as the lineup. So I think a lean on the Guardians is definitely in order. And a cheeky dog that I think you should keep your eye on, and it's more because I've been very impressed with Luis Ortiz on the Pittsburgh Pirates through his first 10 innings against the Cubs and Adrian Sampson. That could be an underplay because 
I'm not exactly sure how Samson will pitch. It's a tough one. But at least what I've seen from Luis Ortiz, and especially at home at PNC Park, I could see the Pirates winning outright. But again, not really sold on any of these games. I think September is the toughest month to cap properly in baseball because you have a lot of different motivations going on within teams. You don't know which teams are trying and which teams are a little bit out of it. You don't know whether a team is really, really trying to play spoiler. So those were the first two that I really noticed. But I've been limiting my my amount of bets, especially in September. And so I think if I were to go with two, I would definitely look at that Pirates-Cubs game, maybe lean towards an under or the Pirates outright. And I would definitely look at the Guardians. And then, of course, that Sunday night baseball under those were mostly the games that I was looking at. And Peter, we are in also agreement on that because when it comes to September baseball, it is, in my opinion, the toughest month to cap because you've got different motivations. You've got guys that are getting called up. They're making their debut. They're wanting to just get their feet wet for the upcoming 2023, 2024, and beyond seasons as well. You had some teams that are in the playoff hunt, and typically when a team is in a must-win game, it means that they might not be the world's greatest team ever because if they were, they would have probably clinched by now as well. So you've got a lot of things that are going on. I've always noticed myself, typically the profits, they take a little bit of a nosedive in September, and then they rebound in October. And Peter, I know what you've got going on is some absolutely amazing content over there at Just Baseball. You do an amazing job capping all these games, taking a look at the game of baseball. And you, much like myself, all aboard what the Cleveland Guardians and Kyle Quantrill have been doing as well. So always love to see that. So love the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. Definitely. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me on. I always love talking baseball with you. So you can find my daily best bets over on JustBaseball.com. I write a full article. But if you're more of a listener, I know you probably listen to the baseball betting show. So if you're into podcasts, I also host a daily betting show. It's called Not Gambling Advice. And we're doing baseball, we're doing football. We're off to a 16-5 and one run in the NFL. And we're up almost 40 units in the MLB. It's been a great year, but we're not celebrating our wins yet until the end of the season. Remember, this is a what have you done lately for me kind of business, as I'm sure you are aware, Greg. So we're just going to keep doing research and keep trying our best and give you all the information that you can for absolutely free. I also host the Just Baseball Show because I like to think of myself as a baseball analyst that also gambles uses his knowledge of the game to gamble not a gambler who can talk baseball so that's how i kind of view myself and then you can find all of my work again on my twitter at peter apple 23 spelled a-p-p-e-l not like the fruit peter does absolutely amazing work he does a nice job taking a look at the game he explained it someone that does a nice job of analyzing the game and someone that is able to do a very effective job of utilizing that to be able to make some money as well because there are some very great mlb analysts that well, they know nothing about sports betting whatsoever. And then you've got great sports bettors that don't know who, like, the number one starting pitcher is for the Atlanta Braves at this point. And, well, Peter, he's able to do a great job of combining both. And he's now been on the podcast twice, and I'll probably need to get him on again because this guy does absolutely amazing work over there at Just Baseball. It was great to be able to get Peter on the show today. Big thanks to Peter for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to get Peter Apple aboard. He does great work at Just Baseball. I know that he's got a very large TikTok following, and I know that he does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the game of baseball. And hey, myself and he were a part of the Gale Quantrill fan club yesterday, and that always warms my heart. And Peter does a great job taking a look at the game. Big thanks, Sam, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore one. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, then the Interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in. Starting with 9.51, 9.52 on the betting board. It is the Atlanta Braves on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Kyle Gibson goes for the Phillies, and Charlie Morton is on the bump for the Bravos and the Braves. And between minus 110 to minus 125 favorites, between even money and plus 110 is the number on the Phillies, and 8.5 is the total over and under, both at minus 110. I thought that we had a large discrepancy with the line yesterday, and I'm seeing something similar today. Not as bad, but I made the Braves minus 148. Even with Ronald Acuna Jr. dealing with the back issues, they still have so many guys in this lineup that do a good job of moving the line. Travis Arno, Dan Sweet Swanson, William Contreras, Austin Riley, all in between about a 272 280 with Riley slugging up 37 bombs this year. Vaughn Grisham, Michael Harris, the second, both hitting above a 290. I mean, you're able to go down the list with Contreras and Michael Harris, the second, between 19 and home, 20 home runs apiece. Flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies, and no question, 
quality bats in this lineup as well. JT Rimito, Gene Segura, both hitting about a 280. Bryce Harper has been a little bit rough since coming off the injury list, but you know that he's still going to perform. He's been hitting only about a 205 since coming off the injury list, so they're going to need him to get online rather quickly. Kyle Schwarber is the only player not named Aaron Judge with 40 home runs in the league, but he's also hitting a 215, and it's a bit of an issue when you've got a Phillies bullpen that is outgunned by this Atlanta Braves bullpen as A.J. Minter, Tyler Madzik, they're both guys that were just so key for the team last year. They're doing solid work this season. Jackson Stevens has been a little bit up and down. And Kenley Jansen, not great, but even someone like a Dylan Lee has been able to do his part for the Philadelphia Phillies. Sir Anthony Dominguez since coming off the injured list, not great. David Robertson, Brad Hand, both supplying sub-3 ERAs is solid. And then, and to use up quite a bit of the bullpen yesterday, guys like Andrew Bellotti and company had to come out because they just did not get any length whatsoever out of Bailey Fulter, who lived up to his name, and well, he faltered, and that gets magnified by the fact that Kyle Gibson just has not been good recently for the Philadelphia Phillies. You take a look at Mr. Gibson, and he's given up at least three runs in now six out of his last nine starts overall for the season, a 471 ERA. A little bit better at home with a 435 ERA, but he's given up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings when he's been at home. The walks per nine rate is back below three, so that's able to help him out, but still not necessarily a lot of faith in him. He's actually been decent against the Atlanta Braves this season, giving up four runs in 11 innings across two stars, but Charlie Morton, even though he does have his deficiencies on the road, 538 road ERA compared to a 288 home ERA and on the road, has been giving up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. I do think that he's going to be able to do a rather solid job in this circumstance. He's given up 10 earned runs in 21 and two-thirds innings against the Philadelphia Phillies, so it's been a little bit touch and go, but has only given up one home run for them. I do think the big thing is being able to control the walks because this year Charlie Morton has been giving up about 3.4, 3.5 walks per nine innings, but this is a Braves team that is facing off against, in my opinion, the lesser of the starting pitchers. They've got the bullpen advantage, and I certainly do think that the Braves have the lineup advantage. So I did set the Braves at minus 148 with the way that Gibson has been pitching and the way that Morton has struggled on the road. I think that this total is too low as well. Also semi total at 9.1, so looking at the over. We go 953-954 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs are on the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates as Adrian Sampson is going to be going for the Cubbies. And it is Mr. Ortiz, Luis Ortiz, going for the Buccos. And the Pirates are in a pick'em game. Both teams are anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 110 favorite slash underdog. It is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. I made the Cubbies minus 120 to Adrian Sampson as pitched really well on the road as he's supplying a 262 road area, giving up one home run in 44 and two-thirds innings. Now, he's been getting a little bit fortunate on that front, but still, if there is going to be a regression, probably not going to be against the Pirates. He's faced off against the Pirates once this year, giving up two runs in seven innings, and in his last five starts, he's given up five runs. He has been magnificent. Not going to give you a whole bunch of swings and misses, but does a good job keeping the ball in the yard and... For Luis Ortiz, if you take a look at his minor league numbers, relatively solid swing and miss guy. He is going to give out a few walks. That has shown itself here at the big league level. Five walks in ten and two-thirds innings, but certainly a good showing in his first two starts. Problem is, his first two starts, they came against the Yankees and the Reds. The Reds, obviously, the bigger outlier than the New York Yankees, but it is a very small sample size to this point. And for the Chicago Cubs, what you do have with this bunch is a team that has a few guys that are banged up, so that is a bit of an issue. Wilson Contreras is currently out of the fold for this team. They've got Ian Hapsel in the fold. He's been able to buy it at 270, which that helps. Christopher Morell, Jan Gomes, fair guys. 
in between about a 230, 240. Patrick Woods sometimes may be able to supply some home runs, but they are giving starts to guys like Zach McKinstry and company, so be mindful there. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, just a lot of guys at the bottom of the fold that are far from terrific. You've got guys like Gregory Allen, Josh Van Meter, Jason DeLay hitting at 225 or lower, Diego Casio. Now, you do have guys that are able to move the line. Michael Chavis, Ben Gamble, Diego Casio hitting between about a 230 to a 240. And you've got Brian Reynolds, who's been probably the best hitter for either team this season. 25 bombs, hitting about a 265, but also with the Pirates. Bottom five team in terms of bullpen ERA. Chase Young has been able to supply multiple innings. He's got a sub-3 ERA, and they do get David Bedard back in the fold. What you're able to get out of him, final two weeks of the season, that is a little bit TBD as Dwayne Underwood Jr., Johan Ramirez, Robert Stevenson, Manny Benuelos are all supplying north of a four ERA, and Brandon Hughes on the flip side for the Cubs has been able to do a nice job, and this team has actually done a nice job of being able to mix and match. Manuel Rodriguez has been solid out of the bullpen. Eric Yeoman, he's been a little bit of an albatross, but for Rowan Wick, post-all-star break, it's been a little bit better for him. Been a bit of an uneven season as he's starting to regress once again, but he's been able to show some relatively decent stuff. I do think that the pitching advantage, here goes to Adrian Sampson. Luis Ortiz, two very good starts. I need to see a little bit more from him before I'm able to trust him. And with both of these bullpens being shaky, even with these lineups being a bit banged up, I'm willing to go over semi-tell it at 8.1, so looking over to go along with the Cubbies. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Nick Lidolo getting the start for them. And Freddie Peralta is going to be going for the crew and the Brewers are between minus 145 and minus 155 favorites. Between plus 130 and plus 140, the number on Cincinnati. 7.5 is the total. The over is minus 115. And the under, that is minus 105. Need at least a plus 134 to fire in on the Reds. And we have gotten there with Freddie Peralta. I just don't know how much length you're going to be able to get out of him. Because for Freddie Peralta, this is going to be his first start in a bit. Last time he took the mound was on the 8th of September. And he just has been on and off in terms of the injured list. And when he started against the Giants in that go around, he went two scoreless innings, but did not quite look right, so he went back on the injured list. He has just been injured all season long, and for Freddy Peralta, he's honestly been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. 267 road ERA, 405 home ERA, but he always has his command issues as well, even when he's fully healthy. He's been giving up a right around 3.3 to 3.4 walks per nine innings this season for Nick Lodolo. He's a completely different pitcher at home versus on the road. Giving up six home runs over the course of 32 innings on the road. Six home runs in 60 and a third innings at home, and that home area, that is a 298. He has been terrific at getting swings and misses all season long, by the way. About 11.7 strikeouts per nine innings for Mr. Lodolo. Now, with the Reds, it is a top-heavy lineup. as got a lot of guys towards the bottom of the fold, like a Chucky Robinson, R.A. Aquino, Mike Sani. These are guys that you really don't want to be trusting in too much, but... Kyle Farmer, Jonathan India, TJ Friedel. These are guys hanging between about a 250 to 260. Been able to get a pair of guys, a Donovan Solano and Alejo Lopez, hitting about a 295 to a 300. So that has been solid. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, you do have a trio of guys with 25 plus home runs. Willie Adamas, Rowdy Tellez, and Hunter Renfro. Renfro, more on 25 bombs. The other two have supplied 30 home runs. But for the Brewers, you really don't have that one guy that's the table setter that's able to move the line. Christian Yelich is hitting about a 260. Mike Barrasso has been able to do a solid job as well. And then you've got Adamas, Renfro, Colton Wong, Andrew McCutcheon, all in that fold of about 
a 242-255, but that is something that the Brewers lack. And for the Brewers, Devin Williams has been very solid out of the bullpen, sub-2 ERA, but when you get into some of these other guys like a Trevor Gott, you're able to throw in there as well as someone like a Brent Suter, Matt Bush ever since he's come over to the team. These are guys that you really don't want to be having a lot of faith in. These are guys registering right around Fort ERA. Brad Boxberg isn't too bad, but you take a look at Fernando Cruz and Alexis Yes, They've been tremendous out of the bullpen for the Cincinnati Reds ever since the All-Star break. Jordi Maretta has had a lot of single run for the team. You still have guys like Ian Gibbo that aren't necessarily too terrific, but I do think that this is a... Cincinnati Red team is really starting to turn around in terms of the bullpen, and I just do not know what we're going to be able to get out of our good friend Freddy Peralta, so I'm giving him the deficit of the doubt with how he's been banged up all season long, and I do think that as a result, this is a total that is also set too low. I set my total at 8.8. I'm looking over. This one take plus 134 or greater with Cincinnati, so looking at the red likes. 957, 958 on the banging board. It is the Miami Marlins. They're going to be playing us to the Washington Nationals. Anibal Sanchez goes for the Nats, and Edward Cabrera is going to be on the bump for Miami and Miami. Between a minus 172 and a minus 180 favorite, plus 150 to plus 160 is your number on the Nationals, and 7.5 is the total, under is minus 125. The over is plus 105, seeing a straight 7 out there. And with the 7, the over is minus 125, and the under is plus 105, and... With the Miami Marlins, take a look at the run line. You're finding that at a plus 120 if you're willing to lay a run and a half. With the Miami Marlins, I needed at least a plus 115 to be able to lay that run line. And I made them minus 193 on the money line. Would like a little bit of a cheaper money line, but I'm going to be willing to go in on the run line because with Anibal Sanchez, he's been able to actually get the Washington Nationals to the window. I believe the Nationals are 5-2 and two in his last nine starts, but it's really one of those cases of really no thanks to Anibal Sanchez. He does have a buck 80 ERA in his last four starts, but he's been giving approximately five innings in all of them. He's got four and a half walks and four and a half strikeouts for nine innings in both of them. He's just been really lucky on balls and play, and I do think that we could see a little bit of reversal of that in this start. He's got a 308 road ERA compared to a 545 home ERA, but he still has been giving up over two home runs per nine innings. Even with this just absolutely terrible Miami Marlins offense, I do think that they are going to be able to get to him. You now have someone with north of 10 home runs and Brian De La Cruz. Someone break out the pinata because he's been able to get 11 home runs this season. So yippee for Brian De La Cruz as he, Jacob Stallings, Miguel Rojas, Brian Anderson, I'm between about a 225 to 235. And then you got guys like a Luan Diaz, JJ Blade, hitting below the middle of line of 200. You do have Garrett Cooper hitting at 260. John Birdie's able to steal some bases. And for the Washington Nationals, Joey Manessis has been terrific. 11 home runs, hitting at 325 in limited at bats this season. Luke Foyt, Lane Thomas, they've combined for about 40 home runs this season in a Washington uniform and a Washington uniform only. These two gentlemen hitting about a 250 along with Cesar Hernandez. So you do have guys who are able to move the line, but I still do like the under in this circumstance. I do think that the Washington Nationals are going to have a tough time being able to muster much of anything against Edward Cabrera, who has been magnificent since coming off of the injured list as he has given up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts for Edward Cabrera. He's actually been worse at home rather than on the road. 426 home ERA, buck ERA on the road, despite the fact that Miami, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. He has been giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. And the big thing with Cabrera, about 4.5 to 4.6 walks per nine innings, but he's been able to rein it in recently. And he's backed up by a bullpen that includes Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, a pair of guys, 
with right around a 3-3 ERA. Steven Okert has been able to supply a sub-3 ERA, and Uskar Brazobin is able to give you some solid innings. And then for the Washington Nationals, you got a lot of cast-offs that have shown that they're worthy of possibly another shot in the MLB. Carl Edwards Jr., Mason Thompson, Kyle Finnegan, these are guys posting up a sub-4 ERA. Rasmo Ramirez is really able to fill some innings. He's got right around a 3-1-5 ERA, so I do think that we're going to get another lower scoring game with the Miami Marlins. Three runs or fewer in 33 out of their last 42 games. I do think that Edward Cabrera going to be able to shut down the Washington Nationals. I think that we could get something like a 4-2 game where the Miami Marlins are able to win this game by multiple runs because even though the Nationals have scored 5 plus runs and now 12 out of their last 19 games, it certainly is an offense that it still has its question marks. I'm going to be looking at the run line of the Miami Marlins and here with the total, going to be taking a look at an under as well. 959-960 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres at third face off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rocks and Mike Clevenger is on the bump for the Padres and the Padres are between minus 142 and minus 150 favorites. Between plus 130 and plus 135 the number on Colorado 11 is the total. Under is minus 120. The over is even and if you're looking at the run line of the Padres you're getting that at even money right now and I need it at least a plus 116 to fire in there and if I'm able to get more like a minus 115 on the run line of the Colorado Rockies because right now I'm mostly seeing minus 120 I would be willing to fire in on that Rockies run line. I'm taking a look at the Rockies in some form or fashion. I need at least a plus 142 to take the money line. Need about a minus 120 to take a run and half. So I'm looking at the Rockies in some form or fashion. Overnight line movement really going to be deciding my fate on this one but when it comes to Colorado Rockies they play significantly better at home than they do on the road. They've got a win record at home on the road. They've won about 33% of their games. It's been absolutely deplorable, and when it comes to Colorado Rockies, they are a little bit banged up, but they still have someone like Randall Gritchick who's hitting about a 320 at home, not having Jose Iglesias out there. That certainly is a little bit of a bummer for them, but someone like a CJ Crone, he's been able to slug out 22 home runs at Coors this season. That is very beneficial for the team on the road. That's down to about 7. He's a little bit of a question mark for this game as he's missed a little bit of time in this series, but even some of the understudies have been able to come through. They've been able to do a good job of moving the line like an Allen Trejo. So I do think that the Rockies still going to be very formidable on offense. And then for the San Diego Padres, you got a bunch that they hit significantly better on the road than they do at home. Now Juan Soto and Josh Bell just have not been great at moving the line since they've come over to San Diego. Both are hitting a 235 or less. And these guys have a combined about eight home runs since they've come over from Washington, which it's far from terrific. But Manny Machado, he's hitting nearly a 330 plus home runs for him. Got a lot of guys sitting in that fold of, I would say, about a 242 to a 260. Brandon Drury, so do I mentioned a little bit earlier, Hassam Kim, Jake Cronenworth, Austin Nola. These are all guys that are in that fold. And for the Padres, they are lacking a little bit of bullpen depth with Nabel Crisman currently out due to injury. Now, I do like what they've been able to get out of Robert Suarez, who's been able to provide right around a 3 ERA. They do get Craig Salmon off the injury list. And hey, Josh Hader all of a sudden has been able to provide a couple of scoreless stints. I believe that he's up to five straight appearances without allowing a run. And for the Colorado Rockies, that is a bit of an issue for them because they've had Carlos Aceves be very good for them recently. A sub-3 ERA over the last 60 days. But Alex Colomay has went down the toilet bowl. And Nelson Lamette has been relatively solid. But guys like Chad Smith, Jake Bird, not as see guys that you want to be trusting in. And for Kyle Freeland, after a few years ago, he was actually very dominant at home. That has not been the case for him as he has been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. 555 home ERA, 318 road ERA, giving up 10 home runs at 84 and a third innings when he is at home. The walks per nine rate, 
not too bad, about 2.7 walks per nine innings. And Mike Clevenger, he's just very meh. Been giving up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings, which is really the big bugaboo from three walks per nine innings, about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's just, he's a J-A-G, just a guy. And a 5.07 road ERA is far from terrific and on the road. He's given up right around 1.4, 1.5 home runs per nine innings with a 6.38 ERA across his last five starts, giving up seven bombs in that time span as well. So I do think that the Colorado Rockies are going to be able to get to him. My semi-total and an 11.1 as a result, looking at the over and with the Rockies. Just all about whether or not I'm going to be able to get right around like a plus 142 or greater on the money line, or if I lay more on like a minus 115 to a minus 120 on a run and have so. Looking at the Rockies in some form or capacity, would like to be able to get a little bit more of a plus price, but in wait and see mode there and looking at the over. 961-962 on the betting board. It is the San Francisco Giants on the road facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. We know that Dre Jemison is getting the start for the Diamondbacks. This is really your long to-be-determined game because right now for the Giants, they have not settled on a starter. It was looking like we were going to be getting one of our good friends in Jacob Junis on the mound. That is still a little bit TBD, and if it is going to be Jacob Junis, I would set the San Francisco Giants as a minus-154 favorite because with Jacob Junis, it's been far from terrific. He's been far from terrible. Last few starts, it has really been not great for him to say the least as he's given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts. He has faced off against some solid teams, so the Philadelphia Phillies, Milwaukee Brewers have to go on the road to Coors facing off against the Rockies. That's not going to be an ERA booster, and he does have a 496 road ERA, though. He's given up less than home run per nine innings when he has been on the road. Opponents have just been able to him relatively solidly. Opponents are ranking at 266 off of him overall for the season, but under two walks per nine innings. And Dre Jemison has looked impressive in his first two starts. He has won 13 innings, giving up a grand total of two runs against the LA Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. Both wins, but also keep in mind with Dre Jemison in his last seven starts at the AAA level, and I recognize that the PCL is a little bit of a juice ball leg, a lot of places with elevation. He had given up five plus runs at six of them. I think that he's really benefiting from a lot of these MLB teams not having film on him. Now that the Giants have a little bit more film on him since he's made multiple starts, I do think that that is really going to be hurting him. And he's backed up. Jemison is by the worst bullpen in the big leagues over the last 45 days as guys like Luis Frias, Taylor Widener, Caleb Smith, Mark Melanson are all giving you north of a five-year age. Mantiply has been relatively solid this season, but past that, you don't necessarily have a lot. And for the San Francisco Giants, it's been a bad bullpen this season, but guys have really been able to step up for the team. Jarrell Cotton, John Brebbia, Jarlon Garcia, Camilio Duvall, Alex Young, they're all supplying a sub 3-3 ERA. Now for the San Francisco Giants, offense has been a little bit all over the place. They really rely upon platooning against righties and lefties for offense, and Jack Peterson just has been nowhere to be found the last few days, as he's right now the team's leader in home runs, hitting about a 265, and you do have Austin Slater hitting a 265 as well, but really other than Joey Vossler, who has seen fewer than 100 at-bats this season, the only other guy hitting above a 230 in yesterday's starting lineup was Wilmer Flores, so at least a lot to be desired with guys like Mikey Stremski, Don Villar, and company, and for the years and the Diamondbacks, they hit about 0.85 home runs per game at home, compared to more than 1.3 home runs per game on the road. 
Dalton Varsho, Christian Walker, a combined 62 home runs this season. Both of these guys, they're on there, Ketel Marte and Alec Thomas. They're hitting between about a 234 to a 244. Geraldo Padormo, Cooper Hummel, Jordan Luplo, some of these guys have bad batting averages, but Corbin Carroll entered it yesterday at 270. Stone Garrett has done a good job of moving the line. He and Jake McCarthy hovering in that neighborhood about a 300 as well. So I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game if we get Junis versus Drake Jemison. Similar to a 9.6 as a result. 9.5 or less, I'd be looking at the over 10 or higher to the under end. I think that this is the ultimate undoing for Jemison. Set Junis as a minus 154 favorite. Would shade it down a little bit more for our bullpen game and we'll probably be keeping a relatively similar total, but that's where I'm looking at on that front. 963-964 on the bang board. It is the LA Dodgers. They are going to be playing us the St. Louis Cardinals. Wayno Adam Wainwright is going to be going for the cards and Michael Grove is on the bump for the Dodgers and the Dodgers are between minus 145 and minus 155 favorites. Between plus 130 and plus 140 is the number on St. Louis. 8 half to 9 is the total. On the 9, the under is minus 115. The over is minus 105 on the 8 half. Over is minus 125 and the under is plus 105. I made my total at 8.2. I actually have really liked what I've seen out of Michael Grove. He was a solid pitcher at the minor league level. And for Adam Wainwright, the undoing for him is that he's been significantly worse on the road than he has been at home. Now, you know with Adam Wainwright, he's not going to give up too many walks. About 2.5 walks per 9 innings and many of those came towards the beginning part of the season. But with Wainwright, he's just not the same guy when he's away from St. Louis. Has been doing a very good job of keeping the ball in the yard. 0.73 home runs per nine innings this season. But a 444 road ERA among the 15 home runs he has surrendered. 10 have been on the road in 77 innings. His walks per nine rate on the road. That's right around about a 2.8. Opponents are at 263 off of him. And it's a St. Louis Cardinals bullpen that they've got Ryan Elsley supplying a sub-2 ERA. He has been tremendous. But Genesis Cabrera is currently on the injured list. And I really like what Zach Thompson has been able to bring to the table. He's been providing right around a 2 ERA, but you also do have a few other guys that have had their issues. Jordan Nix all season long has been a tad bit inconsistent, so that is something to note. Now, Chris Strand ever since he came over from the Pittsburgh Pirates has been solid, but still don't necessarily have a lot of faith in him. And then for Michael Grove, at the minor league level, he had right around 10.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, and the 1-5 record is very deceiving. The Dodgers were throwing him out there and not necessarily giving him a ton of innings, so they made him ineligible for a lot of wins while he was eligible to take some losses. He was giving up about three walks per nine innings, and here at the big league level, eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He was also posting up a 379 ERA in more of the PCL playing out there for Oklahoma, which that's actually not bad at that level. And for Michael Grove, you take a look at his last few starts. The last one against the Arizona the Diamondbacks, not so great, giving up five runs in total, but only three earned runs, which means that in his five appearances this season, three earned runs or fewer in every one of them. Eight half punch outs per nine innings, and he's just backed up by a remarkable bullpen. Alex Vesia. Caleb Ferguson, throw in there Evan Phillips. All these guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA this season. Chris Martin, since he came over from the Chicago Cubs, has been masterful. Buck 71 ERA in an L.A. Dodgers uniform. They've got Broussarder Griderall coming off the injured list. That'll help them out. And with the L.A. Dodgers, shock, shock, surprise, surprise, they're going to be backed up by the deeper lineup as well as Mookie Betts. 35 home runs. He has been magnificent. He's got 35 bombs and 35 doubles this season. And then Max Muncy, Trey Turner, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, all between 20 and 22 home runs. Now, Freeman has been getting a little bit of rest the last few days. So, something that you do want to know to Max Muncy, he, Kenny Bellinger, Chris Taylor hitting below a 220. But Will Smith right around 350 on base. Trey Turner, he's able to hit a 300 in them for the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt combined 64 home runs this season. Goldschmidt hitting about a 320 in Arenado in that pocket about a 295. And then from there, Tommy Edmund has stolen 30 bases. He's hitting about a 265. Brendan Donovan has done a good job of moving the line. Albert Pujols hits number 700. And post-All-Star break, he and Corey Dickerson hitting above a 300. So that has been impressive. Dylan Carlson, it's not necessarily been himself this year, but I could see him being a bust out a little bit as well. But no doubt the LA Dodgers do a better job of being able to back up Michael Grove. I like what I've seen in his spot. And I do think that unfamiliarity is actually going to be the friend of Michael Grove in this circumstance. It is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark in LA, though it is going to be a daytime game but I think that Wainwright keeps the ball in the yard. I think that Grove does a good job of stymieing the St. Louis Cardinals. Set Grove as a minus 172 favorite. If you're taking a look at that Dodgers run line, you're finding it at a plus 130. And with the LA Dodgers, all but 13 of their wins this season have come by multiple runs. I'm going to be willing to take that plus price on the run line of the Dodgers. You need at least a plus 170 to take a shot on the Cardinals. And somebody told it 8.2. So looking under and looking Dodgers run line. 965, 966 on the betting board. It is the Houston Astros on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Voth is going to be going for the Orioles, and Christian Avier is going to be going for Houston and Houston. Anywhere between a minus 150 to a minus 155 favorite, plus 135 to plus 140 is the number on Baltimore. Seven half is the total. Over is between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is between minus 105 and minus 110. A semi-total at some point nine. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Christian Avier coming off of a very good start against the Tampa Bay Rays but Christian Javier has given up three walks per nine innings. The strikeouts per nine rate is very good. That is in the neighborhood of 12, but he's going up against the Baltimore Orioles lineup that is relatively balanced. They do a good job of just delivering competitive at-bats in general. And what I do like about the Baltimore Orioles as well is that they called up Gunnar Henderson to really give this team a little bit of a fortified force at the top of the lineup. He's been hitting nearly a 300 since his call-up. That is very good as got a whole bunch of guys hitting between about a 240 to a 250. Ryan McKenna is hitting a 238, but then you've got Austin Desai's kid, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, Ramon Udias, Kyle Stowers, all in that fold as Santander and Mountcastle entered into... Saturday's game with a combined 49 home runs this season. Cedric Mullins, Adelie Rushman, in between about a 255 to 260 as well. And for Mullins, along with Ore Mateo, both of these guys north of 30 solo bases this season. So they do a good job of being able to create a little bit of havoc on that front. Speaking of havoc, number one bullpen in the big leagues, that would be the Houston Astros. As Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez, all providing a sub-3 ERA. Ryan Presley, he's still solid as well. And for the Houston Astros, they have been giving some of their guys a little bit more rest, but you still have guys like Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, all delivering at least 21 home runs this season. Bregman about a 370 on base. Altuve is hitting a 295. Tucker over 100 RBI and then Jordan Alvarez. He's starting to look like himself once again. 37 home runs, a 400 on base overall for the season, but you take a look at our good friend over the last 15 days. Six bombs, so that has been very nice to find. And even the guys towards the bottom of the fold, like a Trey Boom Boom Mancini, they've been able to do a good job of moving the line. Elementis, he has is hitting a 250, so it's fearsome to go up against. But with the Baltimore Orioles, I do think that there might be a little bit of value with them. I do need at least a plus 144 to take a shot on the money line of them. But if you're taking a look at the run line, I'm finding this as low as a minus 120 to a minus 125 on getting a run and half with the Orioles. And the Orioles have been able to cover right around 62.5% of their run lines this season. So I current numbers, I'd be looking there because the bullpen has been nothing short of supreme for this team as... Cino Perez, Dylan Tate, Joey Crebiel, 
Keegan, Aiken, all these guys giving you a 310 ERA or better. Felix Batista has been an incredible closer. And for us and both, he was a Kessoff of the Washington Nationals earlier this season. He just could not find himself. Ever since he's gotten to Baltimore, he's posted up a sub-3 ERA and has really been a good starter for this team. In his last four starts, two runs or fewer surrendered at every one of them. And dating back really to the beginning of the month of August, his ERA has been a sub-3. So he has turned into a good starter for the Baltimore Orioles. Has already done a solid job once against the Houston Astros. I do think that the Orioles have some value. At current numbers, getting between about a minus 122 and minus 125 on getting a run and half with the Orioles. That's something I'm taking a look at with the Astros with the way that they've been playing this season. They've actually had a little bit of a tough time covering these run lines as well. I think that it's going to be a lower scoring game. I do think though that 7.9 might be a little bit extreme, especially with the fact that Christian Javier, he does have a little bit of an elevated ERA on the road, 309 road ERA compared to a 245 ERA at home. So a situation where I'm taking a look at the over and at current numbers looking at getting a run and F with the Baltimore Orioles. Now we go to my Nikkei Nation pick. This is 967, 968 on the betting board. It is the Toronto Blue Jays. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McLennan is going to be going for the Rays, and Ross Stripling is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is anywhere between plus 115 and plus 128 underdogs. And between minus 131 and minus 140 is the number on Tampa Bay. Six half is the total. Over is anywhere between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is between even and minus 105. I was talking about this one with Peter Apple, and it feels like we're in lockstep on this one. I made the Rays minus 114, so I'm willing to take the plus price on the Blue Jays, but the DK Nation pick is going to be on the over. You just get down too low with these six halves, and last time I took a raise over, it didn't necessarily go the world's greatest, but for Shane McClanahan, I just am not convinced that this guy is going to be able to give a good start. Last time we took a look at him, he gave up five runs and four innings against Houston. He had to leave due to a little bit of tightness. I believe that was in his side, but it's not necessarily a great injury on his front. He's been all sorts of banged up the last month, so what you're going to be able to get out of him is anyone's guess. Now, the good news is the Tampa Bay Rays back him up with a relatively solid bullpen. The bad news is the Rays had to use up a lot of that bullpen on Friday as well. Now, Jason Adam, along with Pete Fairbanks providing a sub-2 ERA. You've had Colin Pooch have a little bit of a rough time of it, but Brooks Raley has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Jalen Beeks, he's able to give you multiple innings. And then for the Toronto Blue Jays, I will say, for their bullpen, it has been absolutely magnificent. You pick up Anthony Bass at the trade deadline. He, Tim Meza, David Phelps, Yimmy Garcia, the closer, Jordan Romano, all posting up sub-3 ERAs. That is terrific. And for us, Tripling, I feel like he's been really an underrated pitcher all season long, but seems like there might be a little bit of regression setting in with him as well as he's now given up three plus runs in three out of his last five starts. One of those good starts came at home against the Tampa Bay Rays, but he has had his struggles recently on the road as well as for Ross Tripling. He's got a road ERA that is now a 375. On the road, he's only given up four home runs in 60 innings, so he's probably been a little bit fortunate on that front because he's a little bit more of a pitch contact guy who's been getting a little bit over 7.2, 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays lineup, this is not one that you want to be messing with because you've got pretty much five guys. They're able to give you at least 20 home runs. Oscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman, Flygaro Jr., Boba Shit, George Springer, all at least 21 home runs this season. Other than Chapman, all these guys hang at least a 258 entering into Saturday, and with Chapman right around 325 on base, Alejandro Kirk. He's done a good job moving the line. He's hitting a 295. Whenever you've had Santiago Espinal out there, that has been relatively solid. 
as well. He's going to be out for this one, but even with him out of the fold, you've had guys like Remy Tapia and company be able to pick it up, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, they're getting healthier and healthier as well. You've got someone like a Jose Aranda has been able to move the line. He and David Peralta are hitting about a 250. Randy Orozarena, Wander Franco, both of these guys hitting north of a 270 with Orozarena. He has went deep 20 times this season. Now, the only other guy with really more than 10 home runs this season is Agustin Paredes as he, Jose Siri, G-Man Choi are hitting below a 225. That's a little bit of an issue, but you've been able to get good production out of Manuel Margot hitting about a 290. Andy Diaz being on the injured list. That hurts the seam a little bit, but Harold Ramirez, he's been hitting above 300 as well, so I do think that you're going to get enough generated with Ross Stripling having recent road struggles, and Shane McClanahan, who knows what you're getting there, to be able to get a total of 6.5 over. I set my total at a 7.4, so even if this does tick up to a 7, I would still like it over, so the DKNH pick is going to be on this over, and with the Blue Jays getting north of the plus 115, one to fire on them, 969-970 on the bang board. It is the Boston Red Sox on the road facing off against the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yanks, and Ryan Bayos on the bump for Boston, and Boston, an underdog of between plus 150 and plus 162, and if you're looking at the Yankees, it's anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 total on this game is 8.5. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And we're talking about this game a little bit with our good friend Peter as well. And a circumstance where we need at least plus 185 to take a shot on the Red Sox. And if you're looking at the Yankees run line, you're getting it at a plus 110. Pretty much any plus price was going to do. I needed at least a plus 105 and we certainly have been able to get there. This is not necessarily a fade of Brian Bale, but this is more backing Nestor Cortez and all the good work that he's been able to do at home for Nestor Cortez. 10-4 record and a 267 ERA overall for the season, but that falls to a 230 ERA at home, giving up five home runs in 74 and a third innings in the Bronx and opponents are just a buck 78 off of them. For the Boston Red Sox, they've been able to get things going recently. They have been able to play at least four runs and now five out of their last six games after they got completely shut out by Brady Singer about a week or so ago, but you still have some question marks with regards to this lineup. Kike Hernandez, Tristan Casas, whenever he's been out there, Bobby Dahlbeck. These are guys sitting at 225 or lower now towards the top of the fold. You've got Rafi Devers, Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo has been a little bit banged up. Reese McGuire only at least a 274 for this bunch. Devers has really been the main matcher. He's got 27 home runs. Tommy Pham is sitting a little bit above a 250 since he's gotten to Boston. 17 home runs, but he's really the only other guy with worth of 15 bonds for the team. Xander Bogars sitting at 315. He's done a nice job moving the line, but I do leave a little bit of something to be desired. And for the New York Yankees, got a lot of guys that they just need to pick it up with the batting average. Oswaldo Cabrera, John Carlos Sand, Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, the much maligned Aaron Hicks, all these guys, a 231 or lower in terms of average now. With Anthony Rizzo and John Carlos Stanton, these two guys have combined for right around 60 home runs this season. Glaber Torres, 24 home runs, hitting above a 250. Credit where credit is due. He's had himself a nice season. Harrison Bader since coming off the injury list, done a little bit of something as he, Jose Trevino, Isaiah Canaire Falefa, in between about a 254 to a 265, but it's all about Aaron Judge. Is he going to be able to get home run number 61? If I'm advising any sort of a prop, if you're able to get minus $2 or better on him to not hit a home run, I would take that. I still think that he's going to be able to move line. I still think that he's very live for the triple crown, and I'm all about Aaron Judge, but with the Boston Red Sox, even with them being dead last in terms of bullpen ERA post-all-star break, they've been able to do a little bit of a better job as you've got Matt Barnes, Jacob Germany, Ryan Brazier. These are guys supposed to get up north of a five-year along with Caleb Ort, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a good start from Brian Bayo. Bayo at the minor league level was a strikeout artist. He had issues with command, and he's shown that at the big league level, giving up right around four and a half walks per nine innings, but 
For Mr. Bayo, three earned runs or fewer allowed in each out of his last five starts. He gets really good swings and misses. He's got very nice stuff, right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, and he's given up one home run in 47 innings thus far this season, so you're able to bank on that a little bit. I think that the New York Yankees should be able to get it done on Sunday Night Baseball, and I think that this is going to be a lower-scoring affair. We've noticed this quite a bit in Sunday Night Baseball. A lot of lower-scoring games. So I set my total at 7.9, looking under, and I'm going to be backing the New York Yankees, especially with the bullpen still being relatively solid for the same Clay Holmes. He has seen a little bit of regression recently, but he still have guys like a Lucas Lutke throwing there. Wani Peralta when he has been in the fold, as it looks like he might not be active for this game, but you've also had Jonathan Weiska over the last 45 days, post up a sub-2 ERA when he's been with the New York Yankees. Lou Trevino has actually been very good for the team as Trevino in a Yankees uniform. He's got about a 2 ERA as well, so looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Yankees on the road line. 971-972 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners at the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Maximo Castillo is going to be going for the Royals and Luis Castillo is on the bump for Seattle and Seattle is between a minus 176 to a minus 185 favorite and you're going to be getting the Royals in between plus 155 and plus 166. Dolan's game is 7.5. The over and the under are both at minus 110 and when it comes to Maximo Castillo, I think that he's going to be able to land a halfway decent start. Need just a few pennies more to be able to fire in on the Kansas City Royals. I need at least a plus 167 to be able to fire in on them so a set or two more I'm going to be willing to take that but if you're looking at the run line in this ordeal you are getting the Seattle Mariners right around about a minus 110 to a minus 115 and if you're able to get some sort of a plus price on that run line as well with the Royals I'd be willing to fire in there when it's all said and done I do anticipate this being a play on the Royals I just don't think that they're going to be getting a lot of bets and for the Seattle Mariners this is a lineup that is dead last in terms of batting average in the American League post all-star break and they're dealing with a injury to their leader in home runs in Enyo Quinos Juarez they've also got Julio Rodriguez now on the 10-day injury list as well so that's not great. Now, you still have a couple guys that are able to move the line. Ty Francis, 20 home runs. He's been able to about a 270. And then Cal Raleigh and Carlos Santana, both at least 19 home runs apiece. But both of these guys, along with Jared Kelnick, Dylan Moore, Lewis Torrance, Abraham Toro, they're in at 220 or lower. And then for the Kansas City Royals, you've actually got some relatively respectable bats out there. Bobby Witt Jr., Salvador Perez, Michael A. Taylor, all in between about a 250 to a 260. And Vinny Pescantino, he's been able to 275 for Perez. Bobby Witt Jr. between 20 and 22 home runs apiece. You do have guys like Nicky Lopez, MJ Melendez, and then the young gun in Drew Waters hitting between about a 220 to 235. They need to pick it up a little bit, but looking a little bit better for the Royals now with the bullpens. You can't get much more polar opposites as the Mariners are in the top three in the big leagues in terms of bullpen here since the beginning of the month of July as Andres Munoz, Paul Seawald, Penn Murphy, Eric Swanson, all supplying a sub-3 ERA this season. They have all been terrific. Matt Brash, over the last 45 days, I don't think he's given up a single run. Meanwhile, you've got Colin Snyder, Amir Garrett, Anthony Machevich, Luke Weaver for the Royals, all posting up north of a 475 ERA. But you do have Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow. And when it comes to the Seattle Mariners, Luis Castillo has not necessarily looked as great in recent starts. I still think that Luis Castillo going to be able to lend a relatively solid start, but three plus runs surrendered in two out of his last three starts, and I believe now three out of his last six as well. It's been a little bit all or nothing for him and for Cassio on the road this season. A 290 ERA. This dates back to his time with the Reds giving up five 
five home runs at 71 and a third innings of credit where credit is due. So it's coming over to Seattle more around two and a half walks per nine innings. But I do think that Castillo has a little bit of upside. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to land a whole life a lot of length, but with Maximo Castillo, he has given up three runs in nine and two thirds innings since joining the Kansas City Royals bunch. Has given up the deep ball a little bit, dating back to his time when he's with Toronto. He's given up six bombs in 30 and a third innings, but also just seven walks. He's been able to have a strikeout per nine rate, hovering right around eight and a half. I like what I saw from him at the minor league level. So when it's all said and done, I anticipate this being a play on the Royals. Need at least a plus 167 to fire in there, but seems like the line is moving in that direction. And when it comes to the circumstance, even with the Mariners being a little bit banged up, semi-toilet at 8.3 with Luis Casillo's recent struggles and the Royals being able to call up some good bets. So looking at the over and looking at the Royals, 973, 974 on the main board. It is the Detroit Tigers. They throw to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease is going to be going for the Sox and Tyler Alexander is on the bump for Detroit and Detroit. An underdog of between plus 220 and plus 210. I'm also seeing a plus 225 out there now and anywhere between minus 245 and minus 255 is the number on the White Sox. 7.5 to 8 is the total on the 8th. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7.5, over is minus 110 to minus 115. The under is between minus 105 and minus 110. And if you were liking the run line of the White Sox, that's anywhere between minus 115 to a minus 120. And I was willing to lay up to a minus 134 on this White Sox run line. I need at least a plus 262 to fire in on the Detroit Tigers. And a lot of this is just a fade of Tyler Alexander, who actually in his last start lent a very good one against the Baltimore Orioles, but prior to that, his nickname should have been Hickory because he was getting smoked. He had given up four-plus runs in three out of his last four starts, and for that matter, five out of his last six, he had given up at least three runs, giving up at least one home run in all six of those starts as well. So you've had your issues with Tyler Alexander. He's having a tough time keeping the ball in the yard. He's given up 1.5 home runs per nine innings. Not going to give up a lot of walks, 2.1 walks per nine innings. He's got fewer than five strikeouts per nine innings, so that's terrible. And he's got a 614 road here, right? giving up 11 home runs in 44 innings when he has been on the road. He has made a few appearances against the Chicago White Sox, 491 ERA. A lot of that was actually when he was a long reliever out of the bullpen. And for Dylan Cease, I recognize that his start against Colorado did not necessarily go as planned last time. He was at home against a team not named the Guardians, but still has been able to do a good job all season long. 249 home ERA, buck 63 ERA on the road, over 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Bones earning a buck 88 off of him. If you do have a trepidation with Dylan Cease, he has been giving out the free passes as his walks per nine rate. That's about a 3.6, but he's got a buck 59 ERA over the course of his last five starts. And in his last five starts, right around 2.7 walks per nine innings. That's certainly his passball. And now he gets a face off against the Detroit Tigers lineup that may have been a little bit hotter in this series, but still overall for the year, they rank in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of just overall run production. Avi Bias is hitting above a 320 over the last 35 days. Credit where credit is due to him, but you saw of Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Akil Badu, Tucker Barner, Cody Clements, Ryan Kreidler, list goes on and on of guys. Any a 220 or lower. Hero Castro has moved the line. He's hitting about a 265. And Riley Green, along with Miguel Cabrera, hitting about a 245 to 255, but got a lot of guys for the Chicago White Sox hitting north of a 280 and Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Throw in there Luis Robert as well, and all these guys between 12 and 17 home runs. AJ Pollock has already a home run in this series. He's gotten deep 14 times, hitting about a 245. And Elvis Andrews, since he's gotten into a White Sox uniform, he's sitting above a 3 iron. And then for the White Sox, you've got Reynaldo Lopez and Jimmy Lambert posting up a sub 3 2 ERA in the bullpen. You've had Liam Hendricks and Kendall Graben be great in the back half of that bullpen as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, 
Simmons. Overall for the season, they rank in the top nine in terms of bullpen. Eri, Andrew Jafin, Jose Cicerno, Jason Foley, these guys have been sub. We have seen Alex Lang have his difficulties though, and this has been a bottom 10 team in terms of bullpen. Eri, since the beginning of the month of August, just because of usage in general, and I did think that they're going to be used quite a bit in this circumstance because, well, let's call it what it is. Tyler Alexander has had big-time road struggles, so I did set my total at 6.8. Tigers just have been one of the worst teams in the big leagues in terms of generating runs. I think that Dylan Cease is going to be able to hold the bat silence, and for the White Sox, they themselves rank in the bottom eight in the big leagues in home runs on a per at basis as well. So, looking at the under and looking at a run line of the White Sox, 975-976 on the bank board. It is the LA Angels taking on the Minnesota Twins in Minnesota. Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy, gets a home start for the Twinkies, and Jose Suarez is going to be going for the Angels. Eight is your total, under is minus 120, the over is even, and with Minnesota, saying between minus 105 and minus 115, it is between minus 104, even money as well, and minus 105 on the LA Angels, and with the Angels, any sort of a plus price would do in this ordeal. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Minnesota Twins, you're finding it at a plus 180 or so, and this is a circumstance to where whatever team comes out as a little bit more plus money, I'm going to fire in on them. I made this line pretty much a pick so this is going to be pretty much based on completely overnight line movement. I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 103 with the Minnesota Twins. Right now we're at a minus 105 with the LA Angels. I need at least a plus 103 to take a shot on them right now. They're right in the neighborhood of even money, so I need a five-cent move on either of these teams, so it is literally a circumstance where overnight line movement and just pretty much picking whatever team is the underdog is how I'm going to be approaching this one, and for Jose Suarez, he has been able to do a very magnificent job recently for the LA Angels. Now, I start against the Seattle Mariners giving up five runs to five innings, not necessarily so great, but even still, over his last four starts, right around a 386 ERA, giving up three home runs in 23 and a third innings, but he's been able to cut down on the walks, giving up just five walks in that time span, and swing and miss stuff for our good friend Suarez has kicked up as well. About 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is down to three. He's been giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings, so I like the way that he has progressed, and for Dylan Bundy, he has looked a little bit more like Al on the road with a 542 ERA, 386 home ERA, but things have gone downhill for him recently. Last five starts, he has given up 15 runs in 23 innings, including six home runs, surrendered, and the deep ball has always been the bane of Dylan Bundy's existence, and and it's certainly been a big reason why he's got a 4.78 ERA overall this season as he's been giving up about 1.6 and 1.7 home runs per nine innings. And for the Minnesota Twins, the bullpen isn't great. It's not terrible either. Yohan Duran, he's able to throw 100 plus miles per hour. He's been tremendous on that front. He's been posting up a sub-2 ERA this season. Michael Fulmer, since he came over to the Twins, has not been bad, but you've seen Ore Lopez, who had a sub-2 ERA with the Baltimore Orioles, not pan out. It's been more like a five here with the Minnesota Twins. I will say Emilio Pagan has actually been a little bit better recently. He and Caleb Theobar, both overall for the season, have north of 3-5 ERAs, but you've had Emilio Pagan and Caleb Theobar over the last 30 days. Both post up sub-3 ERAs. Giovanni Murren right around a 2-6 ERA, so not too bad there. And for the LA Angels, you still have a little bit of a touchy bullpen, but you've had Jimmy Harrigan supply a sub-3 ERA. Jose Quiata, he's been a little bit over the place. His ERA has tightened to about a 3-8, but Andrew Wants, Zach Weiss, they're both able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. And for the LA Angels, very much a top-heavy line lineup as you've got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. These guys are relatively solid as these two gentlemen along Taylor Ward and Luis Renifo lying between about a 272 to a 274. So, very tight line there as 
Otani and Trout, a combined 70 home runs this season. You've had Taylor Ward now be able to supply 20 home runs after he really struggled during the summer. He's starting to pick it up once again, but got guys like and Andrew Velasquez, Mickey Monick, Kurt Suzuki, Mike Ford towards the bottom of the fold that have not been great. And for the Minnesota Twins, they're missing Byron Buxton along with Ore Polanco. Both of these guys were two of their top home run hitters now. They've got plenty of guys that are able to move the line. Jose Miranda throwing their young outfielder, Matt Walner, Gio Urshela, Nick Gordon. These guys in between about a 265 to 280 and Carlos Correa. Over 20 home runs. He's saying a 290. Luis Arias has been able to supply about a 380 on base. And Gilberto Celestino has been able to give you some relatively solid at bats as well, but not really a ton of faith in Dylan Bundy. Once again, this is pretty much a case in which if I'm able to get plus money on either of these teams, that is where I'm going to be looking. So I'm going to be taking a look at late night line movement on this front. And I do think that this is a little bit too low of a total, especially with the Angels getting some good top line production from the lineup and Dylan Bundy not looking great. So Somebody told at 8.3, looking over and late night line movement, determining how I'm going to be playing this money line. 977, 978 on the bank board is the Cleveland Guardians on the road facing up against the Walker, Texas Rangers. Says Cole Reagans is going to be going for the Rangers, and Aaron Savali is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland, between a minus 133 to a minus 140 favorite, seeing three minus 131 out there as well, between plus 120 and plus 130, the number on Texas. And NF is the total, the over and the under, any between minus 105 and minus 115. And it appears as though myself and Peter are going to need to fire in on the Cleveland Guardians once again. I set the Guardians at minus 138. So I'm going to be willing to get down on them with Aaron Savali. He's been able to do a tremendous job all season long of improving his swing and miss stuff. He's up to about 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings. That is much above his career average. And it's been a very touch and go for Aaron Savali. And his fielding independent is more around like a four. Meanwhile, his ERA is north of five. But when he's been out there and starting, he's looked relatively solid. Two runs or fewer. Give it up in four out of his last five starts. Just a case in which he spent nearly a month on the injured list for the beginning of the month of September. He's just been a little bit banged up in general. He does have a 613 road ERA. A lot of it has been just a tad bit of bad luck in general on balls in play. And I do think that that is going to course correct itself. And for Cole Reagans, he's got a lot of upside. Someone who at the minor league level really showed good stuff now. He's given up six home runs. Over the course of 30 innings thus far this season, I do think that there's going to be positive progression with that 579 ERA at all, more like a 470 ERA on the road. And the big thing for Cole Raggins is just being able to get the command locked in because I do think that Raggins has a big upside as a starter in the big league level. And I do think that he's getting backed up by a bullpen that is starting to improve more and more. But with Mr. Raggins, it has been a case where at the big league level, he's been giving up a little bit over four walks per nine innings with still having his stuff developed paying fewer than seven strikeouts per nine innings. A little bit of an issue. You take a look at him at the minor league level, fewer than three walks per nine innings, about 10 and a half punch outs per nine innings, with supplying a 304 ERA in a not-so-easy league to pitch in. So he's clearly got it in him. And for the Rangers, I've been very impressed by what I've seen out of both Brock Burke and Matt Moore this season. Both of these guys have been able to give you an ERA that is below a 2.5. Dennis Santana has been relatively terrible, but even Aces Denoco, he's got a sub-2 ERA and a little bit of a small sample size. Jonathan Hernandez has been able to supply a 2-5 ERA as well, but the team with the top bullpen ERA in the big league since the All-Star break, that would be the Cleveland Guardians. Manuel Clase, James Karinchek, best 8th and ninth inning duo that you're going to find in baseball. Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin, both of these guys giving you a sub-3 ERA on Yo De Los Santos. He's got an ERA more around a 3-10. These guys have been absolutely magnificent, and we were talking about this with Peter Apple as well. This Guardian 
Canadiens team just does a great job of moving the line in general. Not a team that's going to go out there and get you a whole bunch of home runs. As a matter of fact, they're in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. But Andre Zimenez, Amit Rosario, Will Brennan, Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez, all hitting at least a 275 for the team. Ramirez, he's been the main matcher for the team. As He's been able to crank out over 25 home runs, over 110 RBI. And then Josh Taylor, he's got 18 home runs. He's hitting about a 260 for the team as well. So not really a lot of breaks in this Cleveland Guardians lineup. And then for the Texas Rangers, Marcus Simeon, Nate Lowe, Corey Seager, Adelise Garcia are all giving you at least 20 home runs for the team. As a matter of fact, at least 21 home runs with Nate Lowe being the guy that is really doing a good job of moving the line, hitting above the three-arm rest of the guys in between about a 245 to 255. Bubba Thompson, he's been about a 280 for this team as well, but I do think that good pitching is going to be on display. I do think that we're going to see a little bit more of a limited workload for Aaron Savali, but I do think that he's going to go out, get the job done. I do think that Reagan's going to look a little bit better in this start, but I would much rather trust in this Guardians bullpen and just in general, Savali, the veteran, being able to get it done. Willing to lay it here with the Cleveland Guardians and with setting my total at 88.2, looking at the 8.5 under, and we wrap things up with 979.980 on the betting board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us the New York Mets as Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Mets and J.P. Sears. We are going to Sears. He is going for the Oakland A's and the A's, a sizable underdog. Any work between plus 260 and plus 275 is the number. I'm seeing a plus 280 surface as well. Between minus $3 and minus 330 is your number on the Mets. 7 is the total. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. And on the Mets run line, you're laying right around minus 160 to minus 165 right now. And this is just out of control. I set the Oakland A's as a plus 245 underdog. I'm going to fire in on them. Now, J.P. Sears, he was getting pretty lucky at the beginning of his Oakland A's tenure, but he's been able to do a tremendous job all season long, whether it be with the New York Yankees or the uh, Oakland A's, of just not putting guys on cheaply as he's given up a walks per nine rate of about a 2.7. It's home runs per nine rate. That's right around 1.1 to 1.2, which you are a little bit concerned that that might be going upward because he's not necessarily the world's greatest strikeout guy. A little bit over six strikeouts per nine innings, but has been able to do a very solid job for the Oakland A's this season. Last few starts have not gone his way. He gave up a combined 11 runs in his two starts against the Texas Rangers and the Chicago White Sox, but really past that has been a pretty dominant force. And for Max Scherzer, he came off the injured list, delivered a great start against the Milwaukee Brewers. Six scoreless innings, and he has done that all season long. But prior to him going on the injured list, he did have a couple of touch-and-go starts as he gave up four runs against the Yankees and the Atlanta Braves. He's had a couple of road funks now. Good news is Oakland is about as pitcher-friendly as it gets, but still, 261 road area. He's given up just 10 home runs at 133 and two-thirds innings, and for Scherzer, he's still getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but you still have your worry marks there, and for the New York Mets, Seth Lugo has been able to do an amazing job in the bullpen pull salsa break, a sub-250 ERA out of him. Adam Adovino and Tommy Hunter both have been able to give you a sub-250 ERA, and then you got Edwin Diaz, who he's obviously Edwin Diaz, but for the Oakland A's, I like that they picked up Joel Payam, he, Tyler Sear, AJ Puck are providing a sub 375 ERA for the Oakland A's. You do have some albatrosses like Austin Bruid when you get into guys like a Norge Ruiz. That's not too terrific. And for the Oakland A's, they've got the worst home batting average in the league, but you've got a couple guys starting to pick it up. Seth Brown, Dermis Garcia, Vediel Machin, along with Tony Kemp. They're in between about a 233 to a 236, but for Kemp, he's been aiming nearly a 300 over the last 30 days, and for Machin, about a 345 on base in this time span. So that helps him out. Sean Murphy and Brown, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, 
These guys have been able to combine for 42 home runs this season with Murphy hitting about a 255 with a 333 on base and been able to get a little bit of something out of the young outfielder and Connor Capel, who's been hitting about a 325. And then for the New York Mets, you tell that Starling Marte being on the fold has hurt this team because the offense has not been the same. Luis Glorme, he's able to hit a 280 and Jeff McNeil above the three Then you've got from there Brandon Nimmo, Marcano, Francisco Lindor, and Pete Alonso in between about a 265 to 275. No doubt Alonso is and also there's north of 120 RBI, 38 home runs. And for Lindor, he's been able to provide north of 90 RBI as well. But I just think that this summer has gone up a little bit too lofty. Jim Max Scherzer be a favorite and a sizable one. Yes, I don't advocate for him being this big of a favorite. I do think that Scherzer going to be able to shut down the Oakland A's, but I also think that J.P. Sears going to do a good job against a Mets lineup that has not been themselves without Marte in the fold. So, Semichel is 6.7 looking under and looking at the plus price with Oakland. And that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Veasan Family Podcast. A big thanks to Peter App of Just Baseball for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, why not for this podcast, you've got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, size per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. The other way, that is fine in Apple Podcasts Review. If you're in this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.